0: Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist, as well as the founder of ifixyoursciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. Welcome back, everyone. I've taken some time off from uh, shooting a couple episodes, but here I am back and ready to rock. I've said it many times on this podcast that the diagnosis of sciatica is just a description of the pain that you're feeling, which can start at the low back and then radiate down the back of the leg as low as your foot and your shin. Sciatica is defined as irritation of the sciatic nerve. But that's it, it's only a description of the pain that you're feeling, and it does not identify the cause nor lead to the proper treatment of this condition. If you search the best exercises for sciatica, you'll find a never ending list of exercises. And you may see that these exercises can actually help some people with sciatica, while these same exercises can actually make other sciatica pain sufferers even worse. Now, when you experience sciatica pain, the typical cause of treatment is to go and see a doctor, then get prescribed pain medications, anti inflammatory steroids, and then physical therapy or chiropractic care. And more often than not, you'll get an MRI or an x-ray. And in a previous episode, I actually talked about how MRIs aren't as useful as most people think. But say, for example, you get an MRI or an x-ray and you are given a specific diagnosis. Now what? Now, today, I'm actually going to be talking to you about a condition that is often diagnosed with many people who are experiencing sciatica pain, spinal stenosis. This is often confirmed via medical imaging, demonstrating an increased growth of bone on bone, similar to arthritis. Another cause of sciatica is due to a bulging or herniated disc. So if you've been diagnosed with spinal stenosis, then today's episode is made specifically for you. So let's take a deep dive into this mysterious and sinister-sounding word that sends chills and pain down someone's backs and legs. The term stenosis actually means narrowing. Spinal stenosis means narrowing of the spine. And so here's the thing, if there are numerous openings of which your spinal nerves can exit. So to say spinal stenosis is a generalization, but the challenge is, is that how can we generalize something based on so many options, so based on so many exit points. And when it comes to sciatica pain, I see two common types of spinal stenosis. And today we are specifically talking about the lumbar spine, which is a common source of sciatica pain. The two most common types of spinal stenosis are uh, are foraminal stenosis and spinal canal stenosis. And I'm gonna go into depth into each one shortly. Now, how can you tell which type of stenosis you're experiencing? by figuring out what movements make you feel better or worse we would be able to determine where that narrowing is happening and the great news is that even with the diagnosis via an MRI or an X-ray your treatment is going to be dictated by how you respond to movement so keep that in mind as you are recovering from your pain so let's talk about foraminal stenosis a foramen is actually the latin term for a literal hole. And this condition is specifically talking about the intervertebral foramen, which sits between two vertebrae and it's located closer to the back or what we call posteriorly. And this is actually where the spinal cord branches and exits the spine and turns into nerves. And they are surrounded by the vertebrae that sits above and below that specific spinal level. An example, a hole, that is formed by the fourth and fifth lumbar vertebrae is the L4-L5 or L4-5 intervertebral foramen. This hole expands in size with flexion-based movements, also known as forward bending, and it actually gets smaller with extension-based movements or leaning backwards. The theory with symptomatic uh, spinal stenosis affecting this specific hole is that if you bend backwards, the nerve gets pinched, and as a result, the nerve gets irritated, resulting in pain and dysfunction. However, the pain would subside when that space opens up again by doing a forward bend. And you can also expand the size of that foramen by leaning away from the side of symptoms. We are opening up that spine. And so an easy rule of thumb to figure out what type of stenosis you have is by looking at the movements and positions that provide you the most relief. If your relief is caused by forward flexion, leaning away from the side of pain, then we are dealing with foramina stenosis, meaning that the nerves prefer to have a little bit more space to move, which is why we're opening up the spine. So via foremanous stenosis, this is usually my go-to list of exercises and stretches that can help relieve sciatic pain. Flexion-based exercises open up the spine. And this includes a gentle forward bend at the spine, like if you were to touch your toes. You should feel an awesome stretch in your hamstrings and your low back. The pain should actually feel a lot better because you are not impinging on that sciatic nerve that comes out your spine. If your hamstrings are way too tight, then laying down on your back and pulling either both of your knees or one knee up at a time to your chest should do the trick. With this movement, we take the hamstrings out of the equation because the knee is going to be flexed, allowing your movement to happen more at the hip and knee. Now I'm also a fan of leaning away from the side of pain to open up the foramen even more. The next question is whether or not to hold these stretches or positions. Now, personally and professionally, I think that active movement is way better than static stretches. And I usually recommend people completing about 10 repetitions of these stretches, going into end range and then back to neutral for my clients. And the reason why I choose 10 is that it's a great number to think about it's an arbitrary number but it's a good number to gauge things by and you can do as little or as much as you like as long as you are experiencing relief now if we know that with spinal stenosis specifically foraminal stenosis benefits from forward bending and side bending away from the side of symptoms who would be more prone to developing a condition like foraminal stenosis now the major cause of this type of stenosis in this area is due to arthritis and a condition called spondylosis. In previous episodes, I've actually talked about how arthritis is actually just a normal process of aging. Bone is going to rub on bone, and that's just the reality, especially as we get older. And unlike rubbing two sticks together, where if we rub two wooden sticks together, we would generate friction and wear the wood away and eventually disappear. But if you rub bone on bone, there's actually going to be extra bone growth, meaning that if the vertebrae rub on top one another, then the openings of that spine can actually in fact get smaller because of that extra bone growth. And then as a result of this, there's going to be a higher risk of impinging on the nerve that is exiting that space. And so people who have, limited core strength and move significantly at the spine. So a lot of bending and twisting are actually at a higher risk of developing conditions like this because the spine itself was built to be stable and to limit motion. And if we're bending, lifting and twisting at the spine on a daily basis, the bone is going to rub on bone and rub rub on each other. And there's going to be a higher risk for this to happen. Another situation that actually increases the likelihood of this type of pain is having an excessive curve of the low back, also known as an excessive lumbar lordosis. We call it a sway back. And you know, remember how I told you that extension closes down in the space between your vertebrae? If you're perpetually standing in this hyperlordotic position, the spaces where your eggs are exiting become smaller because we are in an extended position. Also, a hyperlordotic spine, an increased curve of the spine, can actually result in a forward-rotated pelvis, also known as an interior pelvic tilt, which can actually increase the tension on the hip flexors and hamstrings, putting you in a much more extended position. So if you have a hyperlordotic spine, a forward-rotated pelvis, uh, sciatica pain and actually respond to forward bending exercises, then you might actually have foraminal stenosis. And as a result, adding flexion based activities in addition to a deep lunge stretch to open up your hips can actually accelerate your results. So a way to prevent bone overgrowth, additional arthritis, this type of spinal stenosis type of impingement It is important for you to ensure that you know how to brace your core and stabilize your body as you move. The hips and shoulders should actually be the prime movers of the hips. Uh, And a way that you can actually do that is by bracing your abs. And you do this by actually focusing and pulling your ribs down towards your pelvis and flexing your abs. And I'm talking about creating tension, not necessarily sucking in your stomach because that's going to lose your stability. And if you can create tension in your abs and focus your movements on your hips, then you will limit excessive motion in your spine, and you can make it so that those nerves do not have to get irritated. Whether or not you have spinal stenosis, core strength and stability is going to be crucial to sciatica recovery. But we don't know if flexion-based exercises help unless we do the following you have to take a baseline reading of how you're feeling, complete a test motion, which is going to be forward bending in this situation, and then assess how you feel as a result. Remember, if your spine prefers flexion, you could be experiencing foraminal stenosis and forward bending should be added into your daily routine. The second type of spinal stenosis that actually causes sciatic pain is central canal stenosis which means that there is a narrowing of the spinal canal, which is in the path of the spinal cord. And this is often diagnosed via an MRI because you can see the contents of what's happening through that spinal canal. And this is usually influenced by a herniated or bulging disc that pushes into the spinal canal, irritating the nerve, the spinal cord, before it actually even exits the spine. And it can affect just one leg or it can affect both legs when it comes to And the theory behind these discs is that the structures are like an onion-filled gel. uh, It's like a a jelly donut, in which the outside portion of the jelly donut are layered like onions, where there are concentric layers of connective tissue that stretch and compress as the spine moves. And in the middle of the disc, you actually have a gel-like substance that actually moves in the direction of the least amount pressure. The disc itself is actually located anteriorly or in front of the spinal canal. And when you bend forward, the contents of that disc is going to move backwards closer to the spinal canal. And then when you bend backwards, also known as extension, the disc is going to move forward. And when you lean to the right, the disc will move to the left and vice versa. And over time, the connective tissue in the disc can weaken, which can increase the likelihood that the center of that disc can bulge out and stay there for a prolonged period of time. And as a result, if the bulge or herniation goes out way too far, it can put pressure on the nerves as it exits the spine, hence the term central canal stenosis, where the space gets more narrow because the disc is bulging into that space. Now, bulging disc can weaken over time, but also people who are at higher risk of disc herniations are people who sit for long periods of time and are in a forward flex position for longer periods so i'm talking about office workers and people who are sitting in a forward hunch position for hours and hours in situations where there's there's central canal stenosis irritation by a possible herniated disc then the goal is to reduce that disc herniation usually by adding in a back extension and leading into the side of the bulge extension-based exercises include a sting back bend a cobra stretch and even an upward facing dog And I usually recommend my clients complete 10 standing back bends or press ups or maintaining their stretch for at least 90 seconds. And sometimes disc bulges can also lead to a lateral shift which means that the shoulders could be moving on over to one side so that they are not in line with the hips. And the key to fixing that is actually leading to the opposite direction and correcting that shift before anything else. Another thing to keep in mind is that the hips have to be included when it comes to movement for your back. And it's crucial because without proper hip mechanics and movement, there's going to be excessive wear and tear on the spine. So regardless if you have one or the other causes of spinal stenosis, if you aren't working on moving at your hips, your spine is going to take on the brunt of the work, which increases the risk of pain. So I want you to think about it, is it's all on the hips. Now, those are a couple of different specific descriptions of what could be causing your sciatica pain, especially if you are prefer forward bending or backwards bending. And in previous episodes, I talked about the importance of MRIs and diagnostics, but you don't necessarily have to let that scare you. It is important for you to be able to see and look within yourself and identify the movements that actually make you feel the best. And so here we have it, we have two commonly diagnosed spinal stenosis conditions with two very different approaches, but can be said the same way. Now, usually these conditions, as I said before, can burn via MRIs or x-rays, but in a previous episode, again, I've discussed how these medical images are helpful with identifying red flags, but it's not the best at dictating treatment because ultimately the key to recovery is understanding how you feel, the positions that make you feel the best and worst, and how you respond to various different stretches. Another really fun fact is the fact that our discs lose its water content as we age. And so disc herniations is going to be a normal part of the process. And when you do get pain relief, there probably isn't going to be too much change when it comes to the structure of your spine. So we use these MRI findings and these x-ray findings as a key to just ensure that there's nothing wrong. But again, the person who's going to be driving treatment is going to be you based on how you feel. So if you've been diagnosed with stenosis or sciatica, you don't have to lose hope. And I hope today's episode had shed some light on the matter. And you do not have to walk this journey alone because there are people like myself who are here to help you. And in fact, I actually just came out with the Sciatica Protocol, which is a pain management program delivered all via text message. You no longer have to wait and see a physical therapist. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home. You can follow a custom program for you on your own time while getting the results that you need at the fraction of the cost and time of seeing a professional. So if you're interested in starting that program today, all you need to do is text Sciatica, which is spelled S-C-I-A-T-I-C-A, to 551-231-1318. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.